Hey, my name is Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. And at our church, we talk a lot about wanting to be a part of restoring faith in Jesus and the church. So we want you to know, wherever you find yourself on your spiritual journey, whether you're deconstructing or reconstructing, whether you're disentangling, doubting, rebuilding, no matter where you are, we want you to know that you are not alone. And we want to be a support for you as you journey down this road of faith. So if you have questions or you need support, we would love to chat with you. You can reach out to us through our website at restoreaustin.org. And we hope you enjoy this week's message. I have a lot of memories connected with trees. I remember getting a tiny little sapling pine tree every year on Earth Day in elementary school. Each Christmas, we would go to our local farm and get just the right tree to celebrate the holiday. I think of backpacking trips with the literal and metaphorical ups and downs. I hold dear the endless hours of hiking through the green belt during some particularly difficult times. Scrolling through my phone, there's hardly any trip I've been on that doesn't have trees in the background of at least one picture. Trees are very much woven into my life, even in the day-to-day. A few years ago, I decided to do this experiment. I was going to plant some seeds from a lemon I got at the grocery store. And my little lemon tree is like three feet tall now. It's so exciting. So every time I'm hanging out on my patio, I get to see my little lemon tree in all of its glory. Wherever I am, the scenery that catches my attention the most usually surrounds the trees. But there's one tree in particular that has a special place in my heart these days. I want to introduce you to Harold. Uh, They may not be the tree's official name, but that's what I go with. Uh, I see Harold multiple days a week when I take my puppies for a walk. Uh, It's something that speaks to me each time that I see it. Harold lives on the south side of the river, uh, off the Ann and Roy Butler Trail downtown, about three quarters of a mile or so from the Mopac Bridge. There's even a set of stairs to go down to see Harold if you want a more up-close-and-personal experience. I highly recommend it. Harold is a massive bald cypress that's probably 70 feet tall or so. The tree is majestic and glorious, a reminder of the importance of being a place of peace and staying rooted no matter what life looks like at that moment. This tree is old enough to have seen single-digit temperatures and to have survived many scorchingly hot Texas summers. Harold has survived floods and droughts, snowstorms, being covered with ice, pummeled with hail, blown by hurricane force winds. And yet, Harold continues to stand strong and tall, providing shade and a place of rest for whomever is so inclined. For many of us, this idea of rest and peace resonates with something deep within us. If you're comfortable, I want you to close your eyes for just a minute and imagine this with me. It's a lovely spring day. The air is whatever temperature feels perfect for you. For me, that happens to be right around 83 degrees. The sun is shining, and there are big, puffy white clouds dotting the cornflower blue sky. You're sitting next to a gently flowing river that's cool and clear in the shade of an enormous tree with the breeze pleasantly rustling the emerald leaves. You inhale the scent of earth and water, feel the warmth of the sun on your skin. You can breathe deeply in a way you haven't done for years. 
You are in the company of people you love, all enjoying the tranquility of this moment. There are large tables covered with everyone's favorite food, and there's enough for everyone to eat their fill. The air rings with laughter and joy, contentment and love, peace and comfort. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I think about this, my soul aches to be there. We long for the chaos of this world to subside and simply be with people who love us in a place that instills a sense of belonging and peace. Every fiber of my being whispers a resounding yes when I envision myself there. I imagine the same is true for all of us. This is the hope we hold on to for ourselves and all of humanity. And it's part of God's promise to us. This week is the third week in the Three Trees series. The first week we studied the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. We saw how shalom, the peace between all people and all things, was broken, and how the instant they were broken, God stepped in to begin the work of restoration. And last week, we looked at the cross, the tree of Calvary, as the next tree showing the way of restoration. We heard how Jesus lived his entire life, and through his death, fought the brokenness that humanity experiences every day. And this week, we're considering the tree of life, the tree that represents the end of the era of restoration when everything is brought back together into shalom. We're going to start by looking at Revelation. The backstory on this book is that Revelation was written by John, who's one of Jesus' best friends and one of the disciples. It was when he was well into his twilight years and he was in exile. John was shown a vision of the end of the world, and being honest, there's a lot of confusing stuff in it. <laughs> There's a significant amount of debate around like, how to interpret this text and how much is literal and how much is allegory and like, who goes where and what's happening. And I'm not getting into it, any of that today. Uh, Zach did a great series a few years ago called Heaven, Hell, and Other, Th Other Things We Don't Understand. So uh, I recommend checking that out. Uh, but for today, we're camping around the tree of life with all the promises of peace, redemption, and restoration in the last chapter of Revelation, which is 22. Starting in verse 1, John writes, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. There will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. This passage gives us a beautiful glimpse into what the world looks like when it's restored. A clean, clear river, a lovely tree that provides nourishment and healing. No more curse. Everything is back to being very good as originally described in the Garden of Eden. 
God will be at the center of all things, providing light, relationship, and connection that we've so desired and that's been lacking in, in the world as we know it. it. Sounds truly amazing. A person might even describe it as heavenly. But this is not the first time that we hear about this tree, the tree of life. It's originally mentioned in Genesis as the counterpoint to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was the tree that humanity received their sustenance from. It was the tree that God said they could eat from all the time, no matter what. And it was the tree that humanity had to leave behind when we left paradise. But this tree is also mentioned elsewhere in the Old Testament, often in Proverbs. In Proverbs 3, 13 to 18, Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you, guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. In Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. In Proverbs 13.12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. In Proverbs 15.4, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. What a beautiful picture of what this tree of life is and offers. The original listeners would have connected these words with the shalom that existed in the story of the Garden of Eden. Each of these virtues points directly towards a world where everything is very good. The virtues of wisdom and the richness of pursuing what wisdom offers us. It's living in a way that does right by other people. It's the fulfillment that comes after holding on to hope for so long. It's gentleness. These things provide healing and nourishment. They show us that fruit comes from loving God and loving others. It's an interweaving of all of these elements that make up a life well lived and what we long for. But what is this life that's being offered to us? There are three Greek words for life used in the New Testament. One version describes physical life, right? This world, all the creatures, the plants, human life. Another is the life of the soul. It's the essence of all sentient beings. So this is what we would say, for example, when we say like a dog has soulful eyes. It's that kind of soul. But the word for the tree of life is zoe, which means the eternal divine life of God. And this is the gift that God offers us the presence of God around us and within us for the rest of time. This is the same reference to life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10 when he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is saying here that he came so that we would have the eternal divine life of God and have that abundantly. This is so much more than longevity or awareness of our being, but a profound personal understanding of God 
that never ends. And it's never ending in the sense of time, but also depth and breadth. It's all encompassing. So the tree of life represents this eternal, divine life of God with all of its beauty and mystery and power. There are many positive aspects of this tree of life, but going back to the verses in Revelation, on, one, on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. I don't know about you, but to me, it seems like we could use a lot of healing the nations these days. There's so much disconnection happening on all levels between families, communities, countries. We haven't prioritized seeing God in every person, and this breakdown is the foundation of the separation that happens between people. One of the promises of restoration fulfilled in the tree of life is that the leaves are a medicine to heal the nations. Leaves can be used to heal in all sorts of ways. They can be steeped to make a tonic, providing healing from the inside out. They can be applied as a poultice, drawing out infection, the things that linger unseen, causing decay. They can be used to cool, taking the sting out of the things that have burned us and left us feeling raw. Leaves can also be heated, softening hard hearts and melting the shields that we've used to keep others out. The leaves aren't just one type of medicine, but anything and everything nations need to heal and to live at peace again. And again, not sure where you're at, but that's what my heart needs today. Back to the verses in Revelation. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. And we actually do have an idea of what this fruit is. In fact, a lot of us, a lot of us listening today have probably heard about this fruit many, many times. We probably just know it by a different name. In Galatians 5, and 23, we see the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Imagine this tree then, the tree of life, bearing its fruit. Each month, the fruit is produced fresh as a reminder of the nourishment that comes from having these things at the forefront of our lives. It never gets rotten or stale or unsavory. Each bite we take is a fresh reminder of shalom, of what life was always meant to be. Take a minute to ponder what it would be like to feast on goodness, the pursuit of all things that bring shalom to this world. Goodness to me, freshly baked bread, a variety of cheese, and a glass of robust red wine. Or perhaps it's contemplating having a big bowl of gentleness the things that are soothing when the world around us is prickly and unkind. These are the comfort foods. Chicken noodle soup, rasam, pho, ribolita, pasole, kanji. Whatever it is that's like eating the feeling of being wrapped in a hug by someone you love. Or snacking on the bright spontaneity of joy. The tang of citrus and juice hitting your tongue, a spark of energy running through you, wanting to sing and laugh and dance, 
as the vitality seeps into your veins. Think about chewing through patience, each bite a deliberate act of choosing to go on, despite the work that it takes, knowing that satisfaction is on the other side. Maybe it's taking the time to revel in love, one slow bite at a time, savoring how nurturing its presence is. It's velvet and silk, but somehow tangy and fresh. It's consistency, yet ever-changing, ever-maturing, ever-growing. It never quite looks the same for one person to the next, but it's so easy to recognize it when we see it. This is absolutely what comes to mind when I hear, taste and see that the Lord is good. These are all the things that God promises and the tree of life offers, nourishment in all areas. It's relationships and good food and enjoying all the things that truly bring life. It's not some mundane, oh, I gotta eat fruit for eternity, huh? God offers us the entirety of what life can be energized and encouraged by the fruit of the Spirit. This truly does sound like heaven, a place of goodness and peace, healing and rest, surrounded by love and life, receiving nourishment from the fruit that fills our stomachs and our souls, leaves that take away the ache we felt our whole lives. Sounds amazing, beyond compare. But how do we hold on to the knowledge of all this beauty and shalom that's to come when we live in a world of heartache? Each of us can bring a piece of this heaven to earth today. Each and every one of us, we are the Imago Dei, the image of God. And God chose for you to occupy your particular vessel at this period of time, in this place, to bear witness to who God is to the world in your own unique way. God knew that the world wouldn't be as full of life without you in it. And someone needs to hear that today. God knew that this world would not be as full of life without you in it. The first step is recognizing that this is true of yourself. In the sermon last week, we looked at how many of us have heard the unfortunate message over and over again about how God despises us and can't wait to crush us. God chooses to express a divine essence in human form, and that means you. You, today, just as you are, demonstrates this amazing truth. You carry God within you. And the next step is to understand that this is true of every single other human. Each person who crosses your path represents God in a way that no one else can or does. What an amazing gift from God to give us a glimpse into the mystery of the divine. And the last step is to live like you believe that these things are true. The very same power, God's power, that promises the tree of life and all of its goodness dwells within you. Your soul longs for healing, for nourishment, for shalom. Every single thing that God promises in the tree of life, God gives you the capacity to bring these to fruition today. And no, it's not waving a magic wand and suddenly all the pain goes away, never to be seen again. But certainly, 
if we prioritize healing the nations and giving everyone who crosses our path the fruit of the Spirit, the world would look a little more like heaven. It would look like healing through the gentle, consistent removal of the infection that is consuming us from the inside. It would be offering ourselves and others salve for the ways we've been burned. It would be wrapping everyone in warmth to restore feeling to the areas that have been frozen and shut off. It would be weighing our decisions, our words, and our actions against the fruit of the Spirit. What if our motivation behind this life of ours was a greater demonstration of these things? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It looks like setting a table and making sure everyone has a seat as we feast on all that God has to offer. It would welcome all and encourage them to join with us in this journey. God started this restoration journey the moment humanity broke shalom. God reaches out to us, to us through Jesus to heal the brokenness we feel. And God promises something so much better for us. Full, abundant life the eternal divine life of God. The hope that comes from holding on to this promise truly brings vitality and wholeness. But God doesn't stop there. We are equipped with the ability to bring a taste of that promise into our spheres of influence today and every day. We get a glimpse of what it looks like to be the givers and receivers of all good things. God offers to us. It is hope for the future and hope for today tied up together. Imagine how life would be if we all oriented ourselves towards this promise of wholeness and restoration. Think of the difference if we feasted on the fruit of the Spirit for our nourishment. Let's pause for a moment and think of how multifaceted our lives are. Which area could use a little bit more of the eternal, divine life of God percolating through it? Is it your faith and connection with God? Your emotional or physical health? Relationships? Finances? Mental health? Your job? I'm going to invite the band back up as we move into a time of reflection. I want us to take a moment to hear what God is calling us to, how we can best demonstrate the promises of the tree of life to the world around us. Let's be a place of healing and hope for those who cross our paths. Meditating and taking action on these things means that the taste of shalom will always be on our tongue, reminding us of God's promise of the beautiful tomorrow that is to come. Take this time to slow down, to pause, to hear from God and get a taste of shalom. I'm going to give us a minute or two to reflect on these things and then I'll close us in prayer.
God, you know how we long to taste your goodness. We hold on to the hope of this beautiful tomorrow that you've promised us. But strengthen us with your presence today. Help us to hold on to your nourishment, to your goodness, to the shalom that you can bring us each and every day. Thank you that you are always with us. You are within us. You are around us. And help us to see your beauty each and every day in each and every person that we meet. In your name, amen.